0: This is the Run Line, V Premier Baseball Betting Show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson.
2: Welcome back in. It is hour number two of the Run Line, VCN's baseball specific betting show. Here from our downtown Circus Sportsbook Studios off Fremont Street in Las Vegas. We've got Adam Burke, our one of our MLB experts here, on the desk. I feel like you're always here, Adam. This is like your second home right here i live here now you basically i have a cot back there behind the glass that's as, as a cot is being kept safe by brian ortega our producer behind the glass ben wilson with you he's, we got-, he's got the velvet rope back there <laughs> around my cot. Uh, that yep there you go thank you that i don't know if that was an aaron <laughs> rogers uh, discount double check belts move there but at least we've got we've got rope action Andrew Ingold as well helping us out uh as our technical director tonight so we've got a lot to get to Hour number two we're watching Sunday Night Baseball right now. Mets once again win a first five. That is 29 first five wins on the season. Mets lead 3-1 over the Phillies as we sit here in the bottom of the fifth. But let's discuss. We've talked a lot about these teams, and it kind of you know it makes sense. Every week we're talking about contenders, futures odds. Which teams are we thinking have chances to make really, really deep moves in their divisions or forward into October, Badham? But we're, we've reached Memorial Day. I think it's fair to say there are some teams who we know we can just cross off. And I'm curious your thoughts on – on what individual game-by-game avenues you'd be looking to bet on or against these teams. So without further ado, I know this is going to stun a lot of people that I'm going to cross off. <laughs> Look, there's basically like eights that seem pretty obvious. You can really cross off right now on paper. These are teams we are giving no chance to make in the postseason or, or having any sort of run in the playoffs. But again, there is going to be spots where You can bet them because we bet every day, and I know you're always looking for value, at them. So. Orioles Royals Tigers A's in the al those are kind of your four obvious ones I at least thought the Tigers would be decent a little surprised that it's been that big of a drop up but those are four teams that are either a obvious sellers coming into the year uh, or or B clearly just don't have the horses and have basically played themselves into sell now mode uh, is there a strategy to be had here with any of those four teams I know you and I are already invested A's season win total under we're well on pace to hit that uh, under 69 and a half now, what do you think about those four teams? And also, just stop me if, if you think I'm if I'm wrong in crossing any of these teams off because I don't want to prematurely do that, okay?
1: No, I, you wouldn't be wrong in crossing any of them off. And, and frankly, I mean, you could definitely throw the Rangers in the mix as well. I, despite oh, you're the fact do that, that they all have right. a positive okay. run differential, um, which is kind of surprising. So they're, well, what, we'll they're not going to be you. the Mariners of, uh, of this year? The, I, I, don't,
2: I don't believe so. <laughs> the Rangers no. somehow find a way the, to stay competitive? The Astros
1: and Angels look pretty good. So, you know, it, it'd be very yeah. difficult for those two teams to, to kind of make a little bit of a push. I will say this regarding Baltimore, and I think this is a really important conversation to have, where offense is picking up on the East Coast, right? Baltimore is 12 and 11 at home. And one of the big things that has been discussed regarding the Baltimore Orioles is they made the ballpark alterations. They pushed the left field wall back rather significantly, and they even increased the height of that wall in left field. And offense has been hard to come by at Oriole Park. And this is a ballpark that traditionally has been really, really good for offense, particularly in the summer months where you've got, you know, a, I'm not going to call it a short porch in right field, or, but you know, we've had a lot of power from left-handed batters there. Obviously, power has dropped significantly for right-handed batters. I'll be really curious to see what happens with Baltimore going forward here, specifically at home, because now all of a sudden we kind of have this scenario where the Orioles mirror the Marlins in a lot of ways, where if they play in this low-scoring run environment at home, they can have some measure of success, possibly be a 500-ish team at home because they've got a really good bullpen, their rotation's gotten stronger, and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall will be up sooner rather than later. So those are two guys that will bolster and replace you know, some of the, the lesser guys in that rotation. But when they go on the road, and they are 8-18 eight and 18 on the road here now, it's very difficult for them to compete because their offense just isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Baltimore for the full season... Will will not be a team that you know stands out in any way, shape, or form. But I do think that the possibility of having some home road splits from a betting standpoint could
2: still be a realistic thing as we go forward. No, that that's really interesting. I'm just looking up the uh, the we've had the fly ball the home run uh, for fly ball rates in Baltimore. It it, there's a lot of people who would imagine with them. Okay, there's got to like it's got to just fall apart for them eventually. But they're I mean they're top eight. In major leagues, it's it's a near twelve percent home run to fly ball rate. So it's not like they're getting lucky and just getting a you know a ton of these as we talked about earlier. These dead balls, deep fly balls that are just dropping five feet short of their newly revamped walls at Camden Yards are still giving up some home runs. It's, a, it's an ERA sub four. They the expected fielder end of pitching uh, FIP as well. It's not. It doesn't really indicate that there is a serious drop off. It, it appears as though they're right at about where they should be and ought to be. But that graphic there displays what has really been. Uh, the issue it, it's like it's a bottom five offense in many metrics they do not do a very good job of of sustaining runs and manufacturing runs as well so that is really interesting though to look at because I think we all kind of think okay yeah of course like the you know the whole ballpark factors they are what they are but how do you really amplify that and and make it into a daily you know betting not necessarily a system but figure out okay like you know what, what are the ways to capitalize on it uh, looking at their at their strand rate numbers too it's not like I mean they're at home. Their their strand rate is basically right at, at around the top ten. So again, it's not like there's these crazy outlierish type numbers that would suggest a team that we've all projected to win about 60 games is suddenly just going to totally fall off the map and and be just uncompetitive, right? I mean, is, isn't that kind of what we're getting at here when we look at a team who, sure, they're, they're 20 and 29, they're not going anywhere, but they're they're going to give you a game effort, especially at home.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, their bullpen is really, really solid. They've definitely figured that out. And this is something that we see a lot with teams that make that transition to being very analytically heavy. The Brewers pitching got there long before the offense did. When guys like David Stearns took over and they kind of did some different things in the front office, this is what we see. I mean, what Baltimore did essentially was they they have a lot of the core parts from the Houston Astros organization. And so they've been developing pitching internally and have done a really good job with that. I think it's much more difficult to develop hitting and specifically it's very difficult to develop hitting when in your division, you've got the high profile, high salaried Yankees, Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. Red Sox to contend with your best bet is really to go all in with pitching and see what you can do with that. But we see a lot of these teams that are analytically savvy. The guardians have really never had that great of an offense, you know, but they've developed pitching really well for the last 25 years. And that's why they've been able to have success you know the brewers as i just mentioned they have a lot of you know high quality top end arms houston got really fortunate that all of their position players hit at once when they had a lot of high draft picks but for them it also started with pitching in terms of increasing spin rates and you know working differently in the zone with fastballs up stuff like that you know the astros really kind of dug in on the pitching side mm-hmm. themselves this is what teams do and this is what the low payroll teams have to do is build with pitching. The Marlins are doing that. I mean, look at their rotation with guys like Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, no doubt. Sixto Sanchez, if he ever comes back. You know, Max Meyer's a guy in the minor leagues who's going to be showing up here sooner rather than later. You know, these these teams really build the pitching side first, and that's what Baltimore's done. And the thing about it is those teams are not sexy in the betting market. You know, those are teams that people still don't really trust because you look know, at their offense, you're like, I don't know who any of these guys are. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how they can compete with these teams. They compete because of the pitching. And so Baltimore, I think, is a team that has a little bit more staying power as opposed to an Oakland, you know, somebody like, you know, Detroit, everyone's just hurt for them. Uh, Kansas City, no, they don't have a lot of great pitching. They're not a team that I'm going to want to look to bet on a whole lot. But I think Baltimore could be a team that makes us
2: some money Throughout the you know remaining two-thirds or so of the MLB season. and they do have one more game on the road in Boston tomorrow for their Memorial Day game, but then eight straight at home. So an eight-game homestand, and it's Mariners, Guardians, Cubs. So some teams that you can do some damage on. Just keep just make a little mm-hmm. bookmark note on that. A team that has the second-best bullpen ERA in the majors. They're fourth in bullpen war so far this year. So the numbers back up exactly what you're saying, Adam. On the National League side, I think we can cross off I know I'm gonna I'm gonna blow a lot of people's minds by saying this. The Cincinnati Reds, <laughs> you can cross off. Maybe.
1: Uh, no. Yeah. Washington
2: <laughs> Washington Nationals, Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, and then the Chicago Cubs are the four I'm crossing off. Adam in the National League. I know you thought there's an outside shot the Cubs might have a chance to be competitive this year. Clearly, does not appear to be that way. A team with among the worst bullpen numbers of anybody. Talking about bullpens. Uh, any any of those four that you're gonna you're gonna uh, raise hay with? Well, I will say this regarding the Cubs. They're only minus five and run
1: differential. They are 19 and 27, but they're only minus five and run differential. As we talked about, they're 0 and 22 in games where they've trailed after five innings. So that doesn't really help you a whole lot. I mean, you, you have to find ways to steal games here and there. Um, it's, it's a different problem every day for the Cubs. One day they don't hit. One day they don't get a good start. One day Kyle Hendricks pitches and nothing happens. You know, so it's just it's been a very difficult season to this point for the Cubs, but I mean, the Pirates are 19 and 27. They're minus 84 in run differential. The Cubs are 19 and 27. They're minus five in run differential. The Marlins are 19 and 26, and they're plus 10 in run differential. Amazing. So the Marlins are just having no luck whatsoever. They've lost a bunch of one run games. That's still a really feisty team, particularly at home. One other team I think we can cross off here is the Colorado Rockies. So you're ready to do it. I'm ready to ready do to it. Ready to do it. Okay. And and look, the, the Rockies, it's always the same story year in and year out, right? They're 14 and 11 at home, they're 7 and 15 on the road. They can't pitch on the road, they can't hit on the road. So, we see the market actually bet against the Rockies on the road blindly on overnights. Every single time they're on the road, 10 to 15 cent line move. It doesn't matter who's starting, it doesn't matter who they're it's facing. Crazy. The market just bets against them. And and this is the reality for the Colorado Rockies that they have not had the RD staff, they have not had the baseball operations staff to really figure out how to consistently figure out a way to close the gap between playing at home and playing on the road. And maybe there's just nothing that they can do, but that elevation makes it really, really challenging because it's harder to be a hitter, it's hard to be a pitcher. You know, when you've got that whole thing, you're Brewers, right? Their AAA affiliate used to be in Colorado Springs. That was one of the first things that David Stearns wanted to change. He goes, We can't do this. Sky sucks. Our double A yeah. team is in Biloxi, Mississippi, below sea level. Our triple A team is in Colorado Springs.
3: I'm Katya Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
1: which is even higher in elevation than Denver, how do you evaluate talent? How do you develop these guys to the major league level? You know, guys would go from C-level in AA to getting tired three innings into a start in Colorado Springs. Yeah. So there are a lot of inherent challenges for the Rockies, and I just don't think that they're well-equipped enough to
2: overcome them. 549 staff ERA in road games this year. Last time I checked, that's not, it's not great. No. By not far good. the worst. And you would think it'd be
1: much higher at cores. But you
2: would think so. they struggle on the road. So you're too. adding Colorado. That's nine crossoffs. They were in my on the border section, so Adam is going to throw them into the crossoff category. We'll talk about a couple more of these on the border teams as we return. We also have real or fake, our, our favorite set. We got a couple interesting pitchers to discuss when we return here to the run line.
0: premier baseball betting show.
2: This is the run line. This is VSIN's premier betting show. Thanks, Brent. As always, we're back on the run line from v the Sports Betting Network. Still 3-1 on our Sunday night baseball contest. Mets and Phillies. Chris Bassett working into the sixth as the Mets look to open up, continue to build that lead in the NL East, entering tonight eight-game favorite or eight-game leaders and heavy favorites. Now minus 255 to win the NL East as they look to... Close off a three-game sweep over the Phillies. There are your live numbers, courtesy of DraftKings. Uh, Chris Bassett, the only pitcher for the Mets with at least who has gone at least five starts, who has thrown at least ninety pitches in each, and he's thrown now ninety-plus pitches in all ten of his starts. Anything in game that tickles the fancy, Adam. My- I'll before you answer it, I'll just say I found being on there during during this particular time slot watching Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday Night Baseball might be the least attractive in game slot to bet on I don't know why it, but I mean it, it seems like once you get these teams that are down there's a lot of pack them in type mentality it, it, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something I, I can't remember a lot of major uh, swings and back and forth games on Sunday night baseball it seemed kind of like one-way traffic that we've had I don't know if there's anything to that with as we, you've talked about you're just trying to move move on it's a unique time slot for these guys You're used to getting on a getaway day on Sundays but I have found myself really avoiding the uh, the in-game bets here on Sunday nights Yeah, and I don't think there's really in this game either. You know, look, I mean, Chris Bassett had thrown, I think, 65 pitches
1: through three innings, so he's gotten a little bit more efficient here. I mentioned the three walks that he had early on in this game. Hasn't walked anybody since. Uh, Zach Wheeler gave up all three of his runs in the first inning, two of them unearned. So he's not pitching bad today at all, seven strikeouts, three walks for him, but only six total hard-hit balls in this game, four for the Mets, two for the Phillies. So both of these pitchers locating well, and, you know, oddly enough, offense is up around the league, and then, We've kind of had that conspiracy theory throughout the season that the balls are different for Sunday Night Baseball. Mm-hmm. We have had you know some games with a lot of runs scored and all that. Uh, this one looks like kind of a
2: dud tonight. Looks like a bit of a dud. I, I should say, just for the record, I am 0-1 lifetime when hosting this show on in-game Sunday Night Baseball plays. That was the infamous Padres team total over two and a half, when, or, over two and a half or three. When uh, a, a mustachioed Spencer Strider promptly no-hit the Padres over, like, what, four and a third out of the pen. So Spencer Strider is he's, making, he's he's making a start great. this
1: week, too. And he's, he's yeah, good. He's been, oh, he's, yeah. This stuff is really good. Out of nowhere. And, and to that point, I guess, while we talk about the Braves for just a second True. here, um, you know, we mentioned that their schedule becomes very, very soft coming up. Their bullpen has been dominant for a while now. Their bullpen's been really, really good. Strider kind of at the forefront of that. If this offense ever gets any measure of consistency whatsoever, then the Braves really do, I think, have a chance to go on a run. Uh, But real quick here, uh, this Phillies and Mets game tonight, Phillies play tomorrow at 4.05 local time. They host the Giants. Uh, The Mets also play tomorrow, but they play Eric Fetty and the Washington Nationals, which I feel like is maybe a good segue. Oh. And talking about this real guy or fake. is
2: such a professional. I know, right? And it just it blows me. away. I didn't even know day. Fetty was starting tomorrow. It just happened it, to work you out. You just that happened way. To, It has happened to work out for you. That is why. Better we... to be lucky than good, okay. as they say. No, well, sample size. You know, yeah. samples. Right. You're going to stumble into one every once in a while. Let's talk about real or fake. If you're wondering, okay, what, why Eric Fetty, real or fake? Yeah, that's the thing we do, where we talk about is a is usually a starting pitcher, but it can apply to other players. But is a starting pitcher? Are his numbers real? Or are they fake from what we've seen so far? It's a great way of talking about players in a place where we live in, in Las Vegas, where that is you know, maybe a thing that happens in discussing other people of the human race. We'll go with Eric Fetty first. We've got another pitcher as well from the, AL, uh, from the AL East to talk about, but we'll go Fetty and the Nationals uh, where he – it's funny, I was on Daniel Alvari's uh, Los Angeles CityCast podcast. Check that out. Presented by Bet Rivers. was on her show this week when Eric Fetty faced off against the Dodgers, and I thought it was a perfect matchup for L.A., in every sense, a guy who has a very uh, high walk rate, you see how uh, the numbers, the strikeout and walk rates, Adam, are both up. Uh, but at the same time, though, the numbers have been decent. And I just didn't think, like I was certainly saying, I felt like it was fake what he had done so far. It just didn't seem sustainable against a Dodger team that was so disciplined. And, and then he comes out, and what happens that game? It was, uh, what, one nothing, And uh, in a game where Fetty looked, looked really, really good, and in a spot overall where uh, you ended up seeing uh, the Dodgers lose that game, one nothing, and Fetty in the spot, ends up going 6 shutout, striking out 6 and giving up 4 scattered hits. So I certainly felt like my position was fake going into the start. I don't know if that really dissuaded me, Adam. It was a getaway day game for the Dodgers. Uh, what say you, though, on the Eric Fetty real or fake train here? Well, so here's the thing for Eric Fetty. From 2017 to 2021,
1: he was terrible. And, and this year, he's been a bit better. Now, he does have the high walk rate of 11%. That is a concern. That will be a concern as we go forward because – Nationals Park plays as a pretty small ballpark in the summertime once it warms up. So with Fetty walking, guys, that's a really, really big issue. A couple of things that you know, are kind of important to talk about when we talk about real or fake. So for Fetty, his sinker is not a good pitch. For most guys, the sinker is not a good pitch. It's just a pitch that gets hit really hard. Whether it finds holes or not is an altogether different discussion. But it's a pitch that usually gets hit really, really hard. So for this season, Eric Fetty's sinker usage is the lowest it's ever been. And his cutter and curveball usage are both the highest that they've ever been. So Fetty is throwing his worst pitch less often and throwing some better pitches more often. And specifically here, the cutter this year, guys are batting 183 on the cutter with a 333 slugging percentage. Now they are batting 296 on the curveball after batting 217 last year. So there is hope maybe for the curveball to get a little bit better. But I don't really know if that's going to be the case here. I'm not a believer. Hey, Eric Fetty, when you look at some of the the under-the-hood metrics here, he's in the 17th percentile in whiff percentage, which means he doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. He's in the 5th percentile in chase rate, which means he doesn't get swings and misses outside the zone. You need those. You need that increased margin for error. So I worry about Fetty as we go along here. He's in the 41st percentile in hard-hit percentage, which is much better than where he usually is, to be totally honest with you. But between the walks, between the lack of swing and miss, between the lack of chase – With what we're seeing now with offense picking up around Major League Baseball, I don't think that that's going to be a really strong recipe for him. So I think this is fake for Eric Fetty. It's hard to go against him because the Nationals are such a big dog Mm -hmm. most of the time, and especially in his starts where the market typically bets against him. But I will say, at least the Nationals have tried something here. I mean, they're trying to teach a 29-year-old dog some new tricks by throwing the sinker less and other pitches more often. Those are indicators that I look for to try and pick up on to see if I can get ahead of the market on a pitcher. For Fetty, it's already happened where he's been better than expected, but I don't think that this is sustainable for him.
2: And look, a guy, strand rate nearly 79% as well, so he's getting away with leaving a lot of guys on base. You figure mm-hmm. that's not quite sustainable. That number was about 65% last year. Uh, so a, a pitcher who, too, uh, both FIP and XFIP, much higher than his current three fifty five ERA, as we showed you, on the graphic, I'm just proud of myself. No Fetty Wap references for me, Adam. I know you're. proud You just me. dropped one. Well, I mean, I'm saying I, I we're out of the outside the you know the realm of that conversation. I know you were expecting it from me. I did it multiple times on Danielle's podcast, but not here, okay? Not here. I'm, they're look teaching you know, old dog new tricks. What they're doing with Eric Fetty. I'm I'm trying to do the same thing. You know, self help, Adam. Who's Who's Fetty Wap? Oh, okay, that's not. Come on, <laughs> stop that. Let's go to a, let's just go to another picture before we before we anger Brian Ortega, our producer, Jameson Tyone. Another interesting real or fake uh, discussion. Where look, part of a you think about what he's doing so far, and the numbers are really, really good. And I think the thing we we discuss how the way the batted balls have played out this year, and and how walks are now a much more important metric than they were in, in years past. Where especially with just inducing contact of of all types now, maybe that'll be different now that the balls are starting to fly a little bit more. And we talked earlier how home run rates are up, but the traditional thought was if you could at least have better command and force guys to make contact against you, you were you were going to be in a position to naturally have more success given the way the ball has uh, has struggled to fly out of parks this year. Tyone, just an incredible, uh, incredible job so far out of controlling the baseball, sub 3% uh, walk percentage to this point. I look at that, that jumps out to me. I don't know about the rest. It's obviously big improvements from last year. What uh, say you on Tyone? Yeah, so Tyone, I mean, look, I don't think a lot of people realize how
1: good of a pitcher he was for Pittsburgh. And this is a guy who's been through a lot. He's had Tommy John twice. He had testicular cancer that he had to miss some time for. He's had a lot of different things. He missed the whole 2020 season. And he's just a guy that hasn't really been able to get into rhythm, hasn't really been able to have a lot of reps. But now he does. And the interesting thing for me is that last year, opposing batters only hit 199 on his fastball. He threw it almost 50% of the time. This year he's only throwing it 34% of the time. So last year, he had outstanding fastball command, but the Yankees still looked at it and said, you know what? We still want you to throw that pitch less often. So that's what he's done. The biggest thing for Tyone this season is his walk rate is under 3%, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that is elite-level control, and it's very important, even in a dead ball era, to not give up free base runners. That's the last thing that you want to do is just let guys reach base. But he's mixed his pitches a little bit more effectively this season, and... I wrote last week in Point Spread Weekly about the importance of pitching coaches. And I didn't talk about him because he's been with the Yankees now. This is his third season. But Matt Blake was a guy in the Indians organization, worked very, very closely with Corey Kluber. He's the reason Corey Kluber went to the Yankees last year. Matt Blake is brilliant. It's been a big loss for the Indians slash Guardians to lose Blake, to lose Ruben Niebla, all these guys. But Blake is doing a phenomenal job with this Yankees pitching staff. I think there's staying power to what Tyone is doing. Same thing with Nestor Cortez. Mm -hmm. Garrett Cole is back on track.
2: Matt Blake may be the single most important pitching coach in Major League Baseball. And look at what Tyone has done. And remember last year, his first season wearing the pinstripes. And look, ground ball percentage is up about 12% this year. His hard hit numbers and barrel percentages are down as well. So clearly something is working. And it leads us to make that, at least you, to make that bold statement, which I don't think is all that bold when you really think about it. So there you go. One fake, one real. That is a discussion. A lot of a lot of real people out there. A lot of real ones behind us in the Circus Sportsbook. We'll discuss: is the panic real on a few teams? Coming up next.
0: You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line.
2: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink. Responsibly, as we're back, it is the run line here from V SIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a big slate of Monday Memorial Day action to get to in our next segment as we close out the show. Then we'll hand the baton over to Greg Peterson. He's got the look ahead for you on this Sunday night. But right now, Adam, we got to talk about panic, not Joe panic, but just panic as a general sense. For some teams who are off to slow starts, it's Memorial Day. That's usually the time of the season where you say, All right, what's going on, guys? And there are three different scenarios I want to get your thoughts on about is the panic on some of these teams real? And the first team that really has jumped out to me when we've we've examined teams who have fallen off from a season ago has to be while well, the Atlanta Braves are certainly the overarching theme here and team who we've already discussed on the show today, but it's the San Francisco Giants, a team that overachieved by the largest measure of any potential perceived outcome from a season ago. When you think about the win total where they were at, what was it was, 74? Only win 107 games, win the NL West, take the Dodgers to the brink in the NLDS, and a large reason was because they go second in the majors in ERA, behind only the Dodgers. Uh, we remember Brian Bannister, their pitching coordinator, and Andrew Bailey, the pitching coach, along with Gabe Kaplan. They were they were viewed incredibly for the turnaround job they did with Kevin Gosman, a great example, now in Toronto. But the the overall team ERA, you see that has fallen all the way down. 25th this year in team ERA. The bullpen ERA as well was number one last year, 297. It's fallen off to 414 this season, 23rd in the majors. And it's not like there's a ton of, uh, of personnel change here, Adam. We talked about Gosman, really the only loss. Carlos Rodon replacing him. and Alex Wood is back. Anthony Di Sclafani is back. And those two guys, their numbers have fallen off pretty significantly. So when you see a, a team that goes... That starkly and significantly in one direction and who overachieved, we felt like last year, are, are, are you thinking the panic is real here for the Giants or are there, there are better days ahead for the San Francisco staff? Speaking of panics, did you know Joe Panic retired last month? This no. month. Yeah. So he clearly was feeling the panic. I guess so. He absolutely was.
1: He definitely was. Anthony yeah. DiScofani is hurt right now for the Giants, so they don't have him, but right. I, I will say this, and by the way, for those that can see the screen, uh, Giants team ERA actually 447, uh, not 324, so They have definitely fallen off here quite a bit this season, as you mentioned, but a couple of things here. First of all, the Giants are 28th in strikeout percentage. The Giants are also a terrible defensive team this year, and I don't necessarily know why. I don't know what changed because they were a pretty good defensive team last year, but they are really, really bad on the defensive side this year, and that has come back to hurt them quite significantly. They're left on base percentage, 66.5% entering today's game, so We talk about the timing of hits, right? You know, getting hits with men in scoring position with two outs, so on and so forth. Uh, The Giants have really not had a lot of fortunes in terms of stranding runners. A big part of that stems from not getting strikeouts. Really, Carlos Rodon, the only one getting a lot of strikeouts. Alex Cobb is, but Cobb's batted ball luck has been off the charts bad. Alex Woods has been the same way. This is just a bad defensive team right now, and the fortunate thing for them is that their offense has been pretty good to be able to overcome this issue that they're having on the pitching side, I'm not panicking about the San Francisco Giants. They're one of the smartest teams in Major League Baseball with Farhan Zaidi, with you know some of the guys that they've put in positions of power there, some of the guys in the coaching staff. I think Gabe Kapler is a guy that really understands the analytics well, probably why he didn't necessarily fit all that well in Philadelphia. But the Giants, to me, I think are a team that can figure this out because the offense is already good. And I think the easier thing to fix is the pitching because you can change ways that you attack hitters. You can change your defensive positioning and
2: all of that. So I think for me, I'm not panicking about the Giants at all whatsoever. And it's funny too, you and I have both been pretty pretty, you know, pretty out there as far as just discussing. All right, we really like Logan Webb. We feel mm-hmm. like the the turn of a corner is going to come. And you say turn a corner, I mean the guy's still five and one, three fifty-four ERA a guy who put up brilliant numbers a season ago. That's been the one, you know, the one thing, if there's something that's held him back, even though all the advanced numbers would tell you Logan Webb, his numbers should be better than where they're at. His strikeout per nine, it's went from nearly 10 per nine last year to to sub-seven this year. And mm-hmm. it seems like that's kind of been a trickle-down effect for the Giants. So that, that's just one thing to keep in mind with some of these pitchers. When you talk about, talk about a bad defense and you talk about pitchers who've seen strikeout, strikeout numbers fall off from year to year, that could be – you can kind of figure it out and piece it together why – uh, there have been those struggles. So we're not ready to totally panic yet, even though Joe Panic, great former San Francisco Giant, has apparently retired, called it quit, something I did not know until about two minutes ago. Uh, how about the White Sox, who this has been a general talk as well. We, we were on the show a couple weeks ago, Adam, saying, all right, there's going to be a point where the number gets too good to pass up. They're down to minus 110 favorites to win the AL Central. Minnesota Twins are right behind them at plus 120, even though the Twins right now, you look at the current – Uh, Standings at this point have been playing really good baseball, even with a uh, bloated soft schedule at 29 and 19 five game leads on the White Sox. But Chicago, 24th in team OPS right now, Adam, they uh, are one of the worst teams at drawing walks. They are also one of the worst teams at chasing pitches out of the zone. Those are certainly concerning things, even with the injuries they've had. Are you expecting a turnaround here soon for Chicago? So, I will say
1: this. A buddy of mine works in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, and he sent me a text the other day and said, Look, there seems to be a really high correlation this season between chase rate, outside swing percentage, and a complete lack of offense. And as you said, the White Sox, I mean, they're a very, very ultra aggressive team at chasing. The Blue Jays are actually a team that's very aggressive too, and they're not walking either. So, those are two offenses that should be a lot better than they are, and they really aren't. Now, I don't think those Leopards are going to change their spots necessarily, but when the White Sox get Lance Lynn back, You know, now they've kind of got their lineup back. Their bullpen has actually been able to get a little bit of a breather here, getting some off days here over the past week, not really having the same level of usage. I still think that Chicago is the team to beat in this division, and I will say this. So the Twins have five games coming up. They have a five-game series against the Detroit Tigers. They play a game on Monday, a double double doubleheader on Tuesday. They also play Wednesday and Thursday. After that, The Twins play at Toronto, host the Yankees, host Tampa Bay, play at Seattle, at Arizona, then they play Cleveland seven times, Colorado in between, Baltimore. Then they play Chicago for seven games in the month of July right before the All-Star break. So we're getting to that point where I don't know if we're going to get the plus money price that we're looking for on Mm -hmm, Chicago. Right? Maybe we see it at the All-Star break, but we've talked about it. Chicago's second-half schedule is very, 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 very bad. They only play basically two or three teams that look like playoff contenders, Minnesota being one of them who they have to play because they're in the same division in the second half. They play Houston once, and I think they play somebody else who could be you know, a contender for right. a playoff spot. So while it looks bad right now for Chicago, and there are a lot of things not to like about this team, the schedule softens up in the second half. Minnesota's playing over its head. I'm not really panicking about the White Sox. I'm concerned about some things, but I wouldn't say I'm panicking and I'm – I don't know when I'm going to fire on this Central Division yeah. ticket that we've been talking about for basically
2: yeah. a month, but it, it's coming. It it, is. It's got to be coming. Well, and as well, 26 in isolated power, measure mm-hmm. slugging percentage divided by batting average. You, you assume as that team gets healthier and more and more of their pieces return to the lineup where you think about how you know, the Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yosemite Grandal, guys who have all been banged up. As that comes back, you'd think that that number will rise. I, it's just fascinating. I mean, it's something that they've you know, they've had success with in the past despite not walking much. Chicago was second in the majors in walks last year, which was a big outlier because, Adam, here's your trivia question of the day. Do you know the last time outside of 2021 the White Sox had been top 10 even, just top 10 in the majors in walks, what the last year was that that happened? Oh, man. Uh, early 2010s? 2011. I was, my hint was going to be the year I graduated high school. Oh, that would have helped. 2011. That would have really helped. <laughs> I didn't want. To. God, uh, I'm not
1: gonna give it away. Were, I didn't realize you were such a youngin. 2011, baby.
2: 2011.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm just old. I we don't had know.
2: the little T-shirts that said like "seat." It was like the seniors with like the 11 thing. It was really stupid. Cool. I'm glad I didn't buy one. Cool. You still have it? No. I didn't. It's I, said, an, I it's said I didn't get a, one. It's in a Goodwill somewhere. I didn't get did. it. I never got it. They asked <laughs> if it was, we wanted the the Jossens like the class ring. I was like, are you kidding me? What? They, they do that? Apparently that's still a thing. Oh, I guess so. Also didn't order or not. La- right.
1: la- last thing I want to mention about Chicago real quick. Thank you for uh, bringing yeah, us we'll, back to we'll life. Yeah, we'll bail us out of that part of the, uh, of the segment here. Look, so the White Sox, 24 games at home, 22 games on the road. We've talked about the humidor and what it's done in cold-weather cities. When you look at where Chicago has played road games, Detroit, ball doesn't carry in Detroit for the most part to begin with, Cleveland in April, Minnesota in April, so up in Minneapolis, Played two games on the north side against the Cubs. They played three games at Fenway, which they swept, by the way, but only won that series combined 10-5, to so not a whole lot of runs in that one. Then they played at Kansas City. They played in the Bronx uh, last week. So they've played road games in a lot of cold-weather cities, too, where the ball just hasn't carried at all. That's an offense that, because of their power, because of their contact quality – Maybe that offense picks up a little bit right. here as it warms up in Chicago, as they play some warmer weather road games, stuff like that. So I keep making this case in this profile for the White Sox, a team that I, I don't particularly like being a
2: Guardians fan, but I, I they are they're going to be betting opportunities on this team going forward. it's a valid point to make. We're going to talk about all the games on the Monday slate coming up. We were all prepared to also have the discussion on the Blue Jays, 20th and Team OPS, but, I mean. They scored 11 runs I mean, it is what it is. Kind of what happens. A team that at one point had a lower OPS than the Diamondbacks, who hit 181 in the month of April. But that's baseball for you in a nutshell. So, when we return, one of the busiest days of the baseball season outside of Opening Day, it's Memorial Day. Full slate tomorrow. A couple of doubleheaders will break all the action down as we wrap up the show here on the Run Line from VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: Since premier baseball
0: betting show, this is the run line.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it is updated every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round check out. Today's betting splits for every game at VSyn.com. Not just MLB. we get NBA, NHL, once we're in football season, football, college, and NFL betting splits. And uh, in addition to that, Adam Burke, you write a daily MLB column. I like how you go through everything. You break down line moves. You break down recapping what we saw yesterday. Interesting teams that are in interesting spots. You do it all. And that comes out what mid morning, basically for for the subscribers out
1: there. Yeah, early afternoon Eastern time. I might have to figure something out with all the day games tomorrow for Memorial yeah. Day. It's one of the reasons why I don't do it on Sunday, along with preparing for this show. It's just really hard on the West Coast when you've got so many games starting at nine thirty.
0: From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. 10 a.m. it is all that kind of thing
1: especially because as you said it's it's a very comprehensive and very detailed article so you know there's a good bit of writing in there but also a lot of good information and you know my goal has always been you know dating back to my previous spots or stops at bang the book and and ats.io my goal has always been not to really tell people what to bet but help them see how to bet help Mm -hmm. them learn you know different things to look for getting out in front of market moves, all that stuff. So I try to cover a, a wide spectrum of things in that MLB article for sure.
2: And at least for, yeah, it's great. It always gives us so much information, but at least for tomorrow, what's also interesting, not only do we have a bunch of early starts on the Memorial Day card, I know I teased it before the break, it's It's one of the busiest days of the MLB season. doesn't necessarily mean it is of great quality, though. There's a lot of uh, rough matchups on the card tomorrow, some big chalk. There's also a number of games who don't even have lines up at this point. Uh, with the Phillies undecided, they'll be coming off of Sunday night baseball against Logan Webb at home. There no, there's no line on that game. Uh, no line. There's a doubleheader in Wrigley Field on the north side of Chicago. Brewers and Cubs, so no line for game two of that series. We don't have a line yet on the Rays Rangers tomorrow, even though starting pitchers have been announced. So uh, still waiting on a few numbers to come in. I noticed that there are some numbers that are just populating as well as, we, as we're on the air here just before 7 o'clock on the West Coast on this Sunday night. But let's go to a guy who we sort of talked about in jest earlier. Spencer Strider. Greatest stash right now in the big leagues. He of a near 14 strikeout per nine ratio so far. He's come out of nowhere. He was just the... He had, what, two major league appearances at him before this season. Comes in for Atlanta. Long relief guy. Just absolutely torches everybody through the four and a third hittings of basically no-hit baseball against the Padres on Sunday night to torpedo one of our in-game bets. Now he gets a start, which is an interesting spot for a guy who's been so electric out of the pen. Now, this will be his... First career major league start, guy who has a 2.22 ERA, fielded independent pitching of 146 in Chase Field against Zach Gallen, who's also had really good numbers. I know you've talked before, Adam, how you've been a big fan of the changes made by Brent Strom, the pitching coach there in Arizona. So it's Gallen and it is Strider tomorrow. That's actually one of the last games of the card. And as we sit right now, it's Atlanta, uh, only a minus 115 to 120 favored here overnight total of eight and a half.
1: Yeah, so this is one where I'll be taking a look at the first five under, I think, in this game. And, you know, obviously it's price dependent, and it'd probably be four and a half with a game total of eight and a half, although it could be shaded a little bit down because you've got the presence of Zach Gallon, who the market is enamored with, and and understandably so. I mean, Gallon is a guy here this year, 4.3% home run to fly ball percentage, so he's really doing a good job of keeping the ball in the park. And the biggest thing that Brent Strom has done for him has eliminated the walks. Gallon is commanding the zone really well His hard-hit percentage is only 31%, but he's just sequencing better. Strom has really helped him out in terms of being more efficient with his pitches, allows him to work a little bit deeper into the game. Uh, The Arizona bullpen is concerning. I talked about how I like the Atlanta bullpen and how good they've been, but the issue for them tomorrow is Strider maybe gives you three or four innings, so a lot of their relievers are going to have to pick up the slack uh, later on in this game, but that's one where I could could definitely see a low-scoring environment in that game because, again, the big thing for Atlanta... They hit a lot of fly balls. They hit a lot of fly balls for power. This year, that hasn't really been an effective strategy with the baseball being deadened and all of that. Uh, We have seen offense pick up at Chase Field over the last week's worth of games there or so, Uh, but I still think that's an early look for me. Nothing confirmed as of yet, but that's an early look for me with maybe a first five under in that. Yeah,
2: and I mentioned the strider bet that we, at least I lost on it, was three and two-thirds in relief, hitless innings against the Padres. His longest outing so far, he threw four innings with eight strikeouts no runs allowed in relief against the brewers that was earlier this month so you'd imagine four is probably and he, he pitched earlier in the week so he'll be on a pretty normal rest but it'll be likely thinking that uh, that four inning range will be the max for strider so something to consider on on that one for tomorrow it's also interesting that we there's a couple guys we talked about specific pitchers on the show today adam who do get the ball tomorrow just kind of works out that way now, Eric Fetty will get the ball. He's, uh, he's on the road against the New York Mets, who currently lead as we look up 3-1, bottom of the seventh. Uh, that score has not changed since the top of the third inning, so the Mets looking to do it again, extend that lead in the NL East over both Philly and Atlanta up to uh, a near nine-game margin heading into tomorrow. But uh, you look at it now, it will be uh, it'll be uh, Peterson on the mound for the Mets. I'm seeing them. They've already been priced up here as high as about $1.82 to eighty-five. some shops as low as one seventy-seven with an 8.5 total. So it's an interesting uh, practice here, Adam, where we talk about Fetty and how you, you do not believe the numbers are going to hold up, but you got to lay a pretty big price to fade him in this one against a team coming off of a Sunday night baseball outing. Yeah, it is a pretty big price with Fetty, and, and I will say this. I mean, the, the Nationals' offense definitely had a nice
1: weekend, but, again, you take it with a grain of salt because Colorado just, I mean, they can't pitch at home for obvious reasons, and they can't pitch on the road either. So, you know, for the Nationals, nice to see their offense really get going here, But I don't know if I would necessarily read into anything with that uh, going into this series against the Mets. Also, a total of 8.5 at Citi Field is is a little bit tricky. Um, Not super high on -hmm. David Peterson, but obviously not high on Eric Fetty either. Um, Not really a game that looks all that appealing to me. But I will say this. One game that I think is kind of interesting here, You know, I talked about the Guardians and, and how their offense isn't particularly good. I'm looking for some unders, but... In that game tomorrow between the Royals and the Guardians where you've got John Heasley going for Kansas City, Zach Plesac for Cleveland, who has not been good at all. 90 degrees on Memorial Day up in Cleveland, so uh, my friend's certainly enjoying the weather and the outdoors there up go. there. But also, winds coming out of the south, which means they'll be blowing out at Progressive Field about 10 to 15 miles per hour. So that's why we've already seen this total go from 8.5 to 9 with overjuice on the 9 at some shops, uh, including some out here in town including one of the sharper ones over at the Westgate. So, you know, these are important things to look at. You know, if you if you want to bet overnights, first of all, totals are getting bet up about half a run to a full run anyway, but also you've got a pretty favorable weather forecast in Cleveland with a couple of bad pitchers. So that's why it's important to look at the overnights. Even if you're not ready to yeah. fire, at least it gets you into the right mindset to start thinking about these games and where these lines may go.
2: Look at you going with not only the, not only the overall miles per hour, but the directional. Unlike me, the last time you asked me for a wind report, I just said, well, the Google thing is pointing. <laughs> that I don't know what that means for the park. It's the ballpark I that's know.
1: It's the ballpark I know.
2: Winds are named
1: from the direction that they come. So south
2: wind or so would be blowing out. so I've been told. Out. <laughs> expert in meteoro- meteorology, clearly. If I wasn't not. doing this, that's what I'd want to do, yeah. meteorology. Interesting. didn't know that about you. I'm just not good with science. I you'd be like makes yeah. it tough thought you'd be a I thought I thought your alternate career would be like a uh, a concert reviewer. You just oh, that go would to concerts great. and review them. I don't know if that's a statement. If I could I don't get, know. if I could get paid to drink beer and watch live music, that sounds like a plan. That is a dream job. Um but no, instead you said you're stuck yeah it said you're stuck sitting next to me on this desk and I'm going to ask you about Framber Valdez <laughs> and all Blackburn tomorrow cuz that's what we do on this that's show Astros this 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 line I'm not sure why but the line just came out at Circa behind us, no line available uh, anywhere else, but this it should be populating momentarily. I'm seeing a Framber and the Astros, who's starting rotation. And, and Luis Garcia was exceptional again today, took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, and he went over the Mariners. A minus eighty favorite on the road against an A's team coming in at him at 20 and 30 this year.
1: Yeah, so, look, I mean, Framber Valdez is, is really solid, and, and the market has kind of come around on him. I wouldn't be totally shocked to see this line go up a little bit. Despite the fact that Paul Blackburn has a 170 ERA in his nine starts, but we're seeing some indicators here for Blackburn that do concern me a little bit. First of all, I don't see him sustaining a 3% home run to fly ball percentage throughout the course of the year. Seems tough. Got a 170 ERA with a 273 FIP, 339 XFIP, 84% left on base percentage. Those are all indicators that look pretty concerning to me. Now, do you want to lay the big price with Houston? I think that's a little bit of a challenge do you want to take the big underdog price with oakland not particularly they're not a, a very good ball club this is one where i could maybe talk myself into an over seven even though it is in oakland even though it is a night game so we won't really have a, or no i guess it is a afternoon game here so maybe that helps you know kind of getting the, the warmer weather out there maybe that's something that's a little bit of a positive or you know you can always look at a team total for houston where i think that paul blackburn is kind of teetering on the brink a little bit. He walked five last time out. Hasn't really had the same swing and miss stuff over his last few starts. Uh, maybe that's one where
2: I, I kind of take a second look and maybe an over yep, there. 107 local starts uh, in that one. All right. You're going to be on Betting Across America tomorrow with I am. Mike Pritchard. So we'll have more MLB talk on that show. Check it out. That'll be 3 to 4 Eastern uh, right here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. For now, though, we wrap things up. This has been The Run Line. You can check out the full show if you missed anything on vcin.com slash podcast. But up next, we've got Greg Peterson. It's the look-ahead coming for you. As we say so long for Adam Burke, Ben Wilson. Have a great rest of your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks to our producer as well, Brian Ortega, behind the glass. we got Hoops Peterson. He's coming up next here on vcin, the Sports Betting Network.